Welcome to Distrust and Disparities Podcast, Dismantling Black Health Disparities. We are two Black women discussing health disparities that disproportionately affect Black women and Black families. We examine both current and historical cases of medical injustices within the American healthcare system. Most importantly, we amplify organizations and individuals working with marginalized communities to improve health outcomes. I'm your host, Jasmine Moore, a registered nurse, and I am joined by my co-host and good friend, Camille White. The idea that they should be punished for the sake of the fetus was, uh, first of all, how harmful that would be to the right to abortion, but also how that was a fake argument, and that obviously these women were being dehumanized to punish them, not to protect the fetus. In this episode, we discuss pregnancy-related prosecutions. We focus on Marche Jones, a Black woman who was charged with manslaughter after her unborn baby was killed when she was shot in the abdomen during an altercation. And we highlight author Dorothy Roberts in her book, Killing the Black Body, Race, Reproduction, and the Meaning of Liberty, which examines the reproductive rights of Black women in the U.S., Welcome back to another episode of Distrust and Disparities Podcast. This is Jasmine. And Camille. This week, we wanted to continue our reproductive justice mini-series. And we wanted to do multiple episodes because reproductive rights and the policing of women's bodies has been such a hot button issue this year. And there's so much to cover that we wanted to break it up into a few episodes. We just also wanted to continue to shed light on issues that birthing people are facing. Even before Roe v. Wade was struck down, there has been this pattern of criminalizing pregnant women, especially poor Black and brown women. According to the National Advocates for Pregnant Women, their acronyms are NAPW, since abortion was legalized in 1973, 1,600 U.S. women have been prosecuted for their actions during pregnancy. Of those, 1,200 occurred in the past 15 years alone. And they also conducted a study in 2013, which looked at a little over 400 arrests and forced interventions of pregnant women from 1973 to 2005. And the analysts showed that 71% were considered low income and 59% were women of color, with 52% identifying as Black. So Black women were significantly more likely to be charged with felonies than white women, with 85% of Black women receiving felony charges compared to 71% of white women. Those statistics are very scary, especially that, you know, given 1,600 prosecutions since 1973, Mm -hmm. but that 1,200 of them occurred within the last 15 years is where you're sort of ramping up your attack on pregnant people and especially pregnant people who are people of color who are black you you're targeted you're we're being targeted yeah it's very scary 
I know originally laws were put in place to protect pregnant women because pregnant women are extremely vulnerable, especially in domestic violence cases where they're being attacked by their partner and it's putting their unborn baby at risk. But since Roe v. Wade passed, they have used some of these laws to target women and arrest them. I want to highlight the article points out that miscarriages occur in 10 to 20 percent of pregnancies and most of the causes are unknown, especially early on. Many of the losses can be due to unexplained genetic abnormalities and it's nothing to do with the pregnant person. It was nothing they could do to prevent or change the outcome. It's just that a spontaneous miscarriage can occur. This article, they highlight there's no way to tell the difference between a self-managed abortion or miscarriage. And for the most part, they will look medically identical. So when you come to the emergency department for, say, bleeding, and unless you tell us that you took an abortion pill or, you know, you did something to cause it, we would just think this is just a standard miscarriage. In this post-row-weight world that we're living in, many anticipate that we will see an increase in these pregnancy-related prosecutions. So Black women are twice as likely to have a miscarriage as white women and Latina women, making them statistically more vulnerable to suspicions that are based less on evidence and more on racism and classism. One quote from the article, it says, it's going to be poor people, people of color, young women, and anyone who is experiencing a mental health crisis, anyone who has a substance abuse disorder, those are going to be the people that are most vulnerable to suspicion and the specter of the law enforcement when they experience a pregnancy loss. So if you're poor, if you're Black, low income, and People suspect that you might have had like an abortion, but it could have just been your standard miscarriage or you just lost a pregnancy. Instead of, you know, helping you recover from this traumatic loss, you could potentially face prosecution. That's insane. We're not given the benefit of the doubt just because we're Black. Just because then you are of a lower income, you're immediately labeled a criminal. And like you said, you're going through a traumatic experience. Having a miscarriage Mm -hmm. is just another, like just salt in the wound of you can't trust the system. You can't trust your own country to help you navigate through such a traumatic time. Mm -hmm. Several medical associations have condemned this kind of legislation, including the American Medical Association. So they want to focus on evidence-based care rather than punishing women for suffering a loss. And even if the woman does have a substance abuse issue, putting them in jail is not the solution. And separating and breaking up families is not the way to solve their issue. No, not at all. And of course, we see this time and time again of when a substance 
issue is seen on a white person, it's treated completely differently where they're given access to resources and help and they're not immediately thrown away as though there's nothing to be done and just just lock them up somewhere. But when, you know, war on drugs and black people were immediately demonized and we know that, yes, that is completely racism and you're not helping anyone. You're going to continue their cycle. They're not going to get any Mm -hmm. sort of good rehab services, therapy that they would need to become sober, to learn how to live in this world and not abuse those substances that they were previously. Putting them in prison is probably going to have them being able to access that drug, if not others, that they were already taking Mm -hmm. before they went inside. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be even more traumatizing. Just doing research for this episode, there were so many cases of women being placed in jail and arrested for having some type of substance in their body. It's just so sad. And like I said, most of them were poor black and brown women that were typically being harshly prosecuted. We'll jump into our main story. Like I said, there were so many cases we could have discussed, but we'll circle back to them on a later time. But we chose this case because of just how egregious and outrageous the charges were. So this week we are going to discuss Marche Jones and we'll dive directly into what happens. On December 4th, 2018, Marche Jones, who was 27 years old at the time, allegedly initiated a fight with Ebony Jensen and Ebony was 23 years old at the time. The fight took place outside the Dollar General in Birmingham, Alabama. I think the specific area is Pleasantville, if you're familiar with that area. Some articles report that Marche and Ebony were co-workers and that the fight started over the father of her unborn child. The fight escalated to the point where Ebony Jensen felt the need to fire a gun in self-defense. The bullet hit Marche Jones in her abdomen, and Ebony was quoted, she gave an interview in an article, she was quoted as saying she only wanted to fire a warning shot, and officers were dispatched to the scene of the shooting, but Jones... Marche Jones, she wasn't at the site. They ended up picking her up at a Fairfield convenience store. So she drove away and they ended up picking her up at the convenience store. Marche was taken to the Fairfield UAB hospital and she was five months pregnant at the time. And the bullet pierced through her abdomen And unfortunately, her unborn child did not survive the shooting. So the police conducted an investigation of the shooting. They arrested Ebony Jensen and charged her with murder. The investigation showed that it was Marche 
Jones, who initiated and pressed the fight, which ultimately caused Jimson to defend herself and unfortunately shoot Marche. The Lieutenant Danny Reed, who was a part of the investigation, he's had some very strong opinions of the case. And I'm just going to read a couple quotes that he gave to reporters. The first one he said, the investigation showed that the only true victim in this case was the unborn baby. It was the mother of the child who initiated and continued to fight, which resulted in the death of her own unborn baby. He also then went on to say that the child is dependent on its mother to keep it from harm and she shouldn't seek out unnecessary physical altercation. He also said... Referring to the unborn child, she had no choice in being brought unnecessarily into a fight where she was relying on her mother for protection. Let's not lose sight that the unborn baby is the victim here. So already during the investigation, Lieutenant Danny Reed already has some strong opinions. Very, very strong opinions where I can in a way, see your stance of, okay, yes, this baby being carried by Marche is depending on her to be safe, be healthy, so that baby can reach full term and be delivered into this world. But those statements alone clearly show where you're laying the blame for the death of the child. Mm -hmm. And... You know, whatever it was that initiated this argument between these two women, whatever it was that caused them to get to that point where they are in a parking lot arguing over some man, which, if anything, is just disappointing for me because Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure there was there's so many other better people for both of y'all. But then to think that, well, it's self-defense to then shoot someone who's five months pregnant, which I am just assuming here, but I feel like you would clearly be able to see that she is five months pregnant. You're Mm -hmm. putting all this blame on her where, yes, arguments happen all the time, though, and it shouldn't then be, oh, well, the mother should have known better and should have, I guess, what, minded her business or something instead of really looking at, okay, what happened, what transpired that ended up having this woman lose her unborn baby. But those statements, they're not objective statements. No, not at all. And as a law officer, that's your job is to objectively gather evidence and you know, you have to keep your opinions out of it. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, women, you're pregnant, you're having lots of hormones, and it's just sad that it came to this where the woman, Ebony, felt, you know, fear for her life that she, you know, had to go get a gun and ended up shooting Marche in self-defense. It's just very tragic. But as an investigation to be looking at Marche, like, oh, because she's 
instigated the fight or started the fight. You know, unless Marche say she had a gun as well. Yes. It'd be like, okay. Yes. Maybe that's we where, need to look into it. Yes. That's why I could that. understand it. Where, yeah, she initiated. She didn't initiate with a gun now. This is still a pregnant woman, right. what, using her, her words, mate. Like, I don't, there's no sort of description of, like, if hands were thrown or anything like that. But it's just, like. This was an argument, a verbal argument that then escalated to the point of someone retrieving a gun and then shooting someone else. Mm-hmm. And it's just I from the the information that we're given, it just doesn't two plus two don't equal four to me in this whole situation of then right. why you so focus on Marche as she's the main one to blame. Right. And we'll move on to the indictment. So the Jefferson County Grand Jury, they heard the case on June 26, 2019. The Grand Jury looked at the actions of both women. Ebony Jimson, who was the shooter, was charged with murder and attempted murder. And also the Grand Jury had to look at Marche Jones, she was charged with manslaughter, which she could end up facing up to 20 years in prison. And like we just mentioned, the police pushed for charges to be brought against Marche. They argued to the grand jury that Jones deserved to be blamed for the shooting because she did not remove herself from the situation. That statement doesn't make sense because people get into arguments all the time when then all of a sudden someone pulls out a weapon and you didn't know what somebody had. So she mm-hmm. like at what point in time would you have deemed her, you know, someone who wasn't to blame, like where she removed herself or not? They are not looking at Marche as a victim. Not it's, at all. Her child is her unborn child is the victim. But she herself is not the victim. It's like, how can you, how are we separating the The two? two. I just don't understand that at all. Because we're just seeing for our uterus and what our uterus can provide. Because you would think too, it's like, yes, the baby ended up being harmed in this and didn't survive. But Marche was shot. She is a shooting victim. But like you said, you're separating out Marche and going, no, it's just her uterus. We just want to look at her uterus as being the victim. And anything outside of her uterus sort of doesn't matter or is to be blamed. Yep. So I'll review the grand jury's deliberations. Ebony Jensen, who was the shooter, the jury declined to indict her. They stated she acted in self-defense, and this took place in Alabama, so they have the staying your ground laws, and Ebony stated she feared for her life, and she was just defending herself. It came out in the case, it says she attempted to fire a warning shot at the ground, but that bullet ricocheted into Jones. The jurors, instead, they returned an indictment for Marche. They indicted her on a manslaughter charge for the death of her own fetus. The indictment against Jones says 
She intentionally caused the death of her unborn baby by initiating a fight, knowing she was five months pregnant. And she was taken into custody and held one $50,000 bond. Again, it's just like you immediately just focus on Marche's uterus and that alone. Mm-hmm. And to say that, okay, Ebony feared for her life and she was just defending herself. You know, she was standing her ground. Marche didn't have a gun. Like, right. did Marche, was she behind the wheel of her car ready to run Ebony over? There's so many things where, like, I could wrap my mind around the the thinking that these jurors and the police have of, yes, she was clearly in physical danger and Ebony needed to do whatever she needed to do to get out of the situation and protect herself. But it to me, from all the facts that we have, these were two women arguing in a parking lot. Mm-hmm. So how do you then not place any blame on Ebony? Where where's where are you not telling Ebony where she needs to walk away? Why right. didn't she remove herself? Did like mm-hmm. why is it any sort of responsibility placed on her? Yeah. The only thing that keeps coming into my mind is like this is just ass backwards. <laughs> it's yes. Just no other way to put it. Like Okay, you clear Ebony for shooting the woman she was defending herself and y'all want to uphold the stand your ground laws. But why indict Marche and saying she intentionally caused the death of her unborn baby? Mm-hmm. I just don't understand how you can be like, yes, let's charge her. She started yeah. to bite. She, she <laughs> just was not thinking about her baby. She just knew something was going to happen. To her baby and yeah to to say that she intentionally did that no she didn't she did not no it where where do you have that you're making that up you're making that up because you want to find a way to convict her because you want to find a way to completely place all the blame on her she didn't go into this fight so she would walk away being shot in without her unborn child that was not her intent i'm sure to, and then to claim that you know that is, like, completely ridiculous. You know, I'm trying to place to think how jurors thought about this, how it was presented, but I just cannot wrap my mind over charging Marche. And, and not Ebony. <laughs> right. And I can understand, like, okay, maybe she was defending herself. Supposedly, maybe her it might have been more people fighting Ebony, but once you pull out a gun, I'm pretty sure people will back up and be like, let's stop this here. I mean, mm-hmm. we weren't there, you know, to see how much she feared for her life. But also when I put myself in Marche's shoes, okay, yes, I initiated the fight. I lost my child. So I feel like I've already suffered Yes. The consequences, the yes. most, you know, the worst consequences for initiating a fight. I yes. lost my child. Yes. What like, What else? That's a great point of, it should have just stopped there. It should have been, okay, if you feel as though Ebony did 
exercised all her rights under the law and did nothing wrong, then there's no reason for you to turn around and do anything else to Marche. Marche was already the loser here to begin with. So, you know, okay, she's lost her child. There's nothing else that we could possibly do that would that would be worse than that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure she knows in a way the role that her actions of, you know, going into that fight sort of contributed to what ended up happening. If you're not going to charge Ebony, definitely don't charge Marche. Right, that's what I'm saying. She's she suffered the worst possible outcome of the fight already. So what is putting her in jail going to do? Making her go through a trial and relive this over and over going to do. And also Marche, she has another child to take care of as well. You're hurting her and her family on like so many levels by removing her from her other child. Mm-hmm. Her case, there was a lot of outrage over this indictment. Many were shocked that the jury decided to pursue charges against Marche and Marche alone. And her grandmother was quoted as saying, it's not fair. Marche didn't have a gun. How did they turn it around on her? And many women activist groups, as well as pro-abortion groups, they came out and spoke up against the case. And I have one quote. It says, if prosecutors are willing to criminalize a woman shot in the abdomen as a perpetrator of harm against the pregnancy she lost, it seems inevitable that they will try to punish Alabamans who end their own pregnancies. This overreach at its most is deplorable. And that was from a reproductive rights advocacy group. And many, they point out this case, it represented the beginning of attacks on women. But like we already pointed out in the beginning, these attacks have already been happening. And like I said, many of the women's reproductive rights organizations were coming out and rallying for Marche just because the charges were so ridiculous. Like we pointed out, she was the victim of the crime but they're still charging her for not protecting her child. It just doesn't make sense. And her attorneys, they filed a motion to have all the charges dismissed against Marche. Her attorney, Mark White, he was quoted saying, how in the world can you engage in a criminal prosecution to try to charge someone with a crime that carries a maximum sentence of 20 years? And all the while, she was the victim. It just didn't make sense. And he filed that motion on June 1st, 2019. Before this, like the prosecutor, you know, she was stated as saying she's going to review all the facts and that the grand jury reviewed to determine whether she's going to take it to trial. In the end, the prosecutor, Lanice Washington, She ultimately ended up dropping the charges against Joan on July 3rd, 2019. She is quoted as saying, this is truly a disturbing and heartbreaking case. An unborn child was tragically lost and families on both sides of this matter have suffered. Nothing, nothing we can do today or in the future will change that reality. 
a lot of people were happy that the charges were dropped and she's using her right judgment to determine whether she should take this case to court or not. But still, there were some people that um, was reading like a few articles that had opinions that she should be charged with child abuse or like a lesser charge. People still felt the need that Marche should suffer some type of consequences for initiating the fight. And like we pointed out, she suffered the worst possible consequences, which was the loss of her child. What more do you want Marche to go through? I just don't understand the lack of sympathy for, you know, Marche. And even Ebony, you know, she was quoted as saying she did not want this to happen and, you know, Mm -hmm. express sympathy for her losing her child. And even she was shocked that they ended up charging Marche. And I think finally with the prosecutor, that statement that you read of like, this is, yeah, a disturbing and heartbreaking case. And it should just be left there where both people, their families and friends have already been affected in so many ways. There is nothing here that, you know, law enforcement and the law should try to do to intervene to then place blame and have someone sort of pay the price. Marche Mm -hmm. already paid the price. And yeah, Ebony feels remorseful and she didn't want that to happen. So they all have to now walk away and try to, you know, repair Mm -hmm. their lives and move on from this, hoping that like something like this doesn't happen again. But there are other ways in terms of like community outreach and getting, you know, those two women access to therapy and support where, you know, let's get mm-hmm. to the root of like, why were you two even fighting in the first place? Let's discuss that. Probably over some dusty man. Dusty mm-hmm. and crusty, probably. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yes. Because I feel like that happens too often. And that's when mm-hmm. it's just like, that's where we need to have an intervention. That's where we need to have support of like, ladies, let's get you into some therapy. Let's really talk about some things and really assess like how to manage, you know, any anger that you might have going forward, how to properly communicate with others in your lives and you do have disagreements over things. That's what we should be focusing on because that is how you then prevent something like this from ever happening again in the future. Mm-hmm. You look at the root of it and you try to tackle it there. Mm-hmm. And before we move on to our next segment, I just wanted to discuss this really good quote that I found. It says, reproductive justice groups argue that these issues also reflect a tragic reality in several states with highly restrictive abortion laws, many of which struggle with high rates of poverty high maternal and infant deaths, and wide racial disparities in infant and maternal mortality. This is also the case in Alabama, which is the sixth poorest state in the nation where Black women are roughly three times more likely than white women to die during or shortly after childbirth. In 2014, fewer than half the state's 67 counties had hospitals that offered obstetrics services, limiting many rural women's ability to access pre- and postnatal 
healthcare. And I thought this was just a read of the whole state of Alabama. Y'all want to spend sure. money prosecuting women, but your child and maternal health rates are just the worst in the country. Like the U.S., we already know the statistics are dismal, but this is how you want to spend your taxpayers' money. Instead of investing in maternal health services, services to support women, like you want to protect embryos and children while they're in the woman's body, you care so much, but there's limited access to pre and also postnatal health care, you know, just services for women and children. You're just looking at, we want this woman to have the baby to go to full term, but they can deliver this baby safely once the baby is here, having the support to raise them. And we won't even go into like further statistics of, you know, police shootings and police violence trying to raise your black or brown child. It's just Mm -hmm. ridiculous. Completely ridiculous where, you know, politicians and governments will say one thing, but their actions say the complete opposite and really show that, no, all of your policies and laws are ruled by racism. And at the end of the day, you really don't care about us. And when it comes to an unborn baby, a fetus, a uterus, you care more about that life than the life of the person carrying that child. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We'll segue into our second segment where we highlight individuals and organizations working to dismantle racist health practices, policies, and systems. We're talking about pregnancy-related prosecutions, and we honestly have only touched the surface of this topic. It goes into so many things that we did not cover in this week's episode, but we wanted to highlight Dorothy Roberts and her book, Killing the Black Body, Race, Reproduction, and the Meaning of Liberty. This book really takes a deep dive into reproductive rights and just the policing of women's bodies. I have the book and I'm still in the process of reading it, but I'm learning so much. And This book came out in 1997, and she was sparked to write it because so many women were being arrested during the crack epidemic when they were arresting Black and poor mothers for being addicted to crack and having babies. The book looks into some of the root of some of these policies that were coming out against Black women and how they were criminalizing Black women for having babies and also being addicted to drugs. And also she looks at during slavery time and how we were saying they only looked at Black women to reproduce. And she also looks into the races, birth control and eugenics policies. So this book, it's been really informative to me and I want to encourage everybody to get the book or get the audiobook just so that they can have a better understanding of what's going on. Because like we touched on in our previous episodes, 
this is nothing new. It's just being repackaged, rebranded, and kind of amped up. It's just more so in our face. Mm-hmm. And because they completely struck down Roe v. Wade, which can affect more people, not only black and brown, but like I said, black and brown and poor women are going to suffer the most severe consequences. So that's why I'm recommending Killing the Black Body because it takes such an in-depth look. We can only touch on so much during our podcast, but this book will be really beneficial to just learning more about the struggle and how our reproductive rights are being attacked. Dorothy Roberts, hopefully we can have her on this show. That's a goal of ours as a guest because she is an acclaimed scholar, professor, activist, and just a social critic. And we'll link on our social media pages. She's Since Roe v. Wade has been struck down, she has been given some commentary and interviews about what's going on. But like I said, she'd been hip to what was going on and what was taking place So make sure you check out this book. I know I'm finishing reading it up and this is what inspired me to do this episode and this reproductive rights mini series that we have going on. And like I said, the book is called Killing the Black Body, Race, Reproduction, and the Meaning of Liberty. And the author is Dorothy Roberts. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to suggest a topic we should discuss or share your own personal story, email us at distrustanddisparities at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Distrust and Disparities and on Twitter at DistrustPod. (laughs) 